Welcome to the show where we interview our network of B2B SaaS experts. This is the Notion Capital Podcast, hosted by Paul Papadimitriou. Hi, and today I'm with Tom. Hi, Tom. Hello. Tell us, who are you? I am Tom Castley. I have been in the CRM industry now for approximately 20 odd years, working for small, medium and large enterprise. The common factor between all of them has been leading sales teams. And I'm very fortunate that all of those have been very fast growing, which presents itself with a unique set of challenges, of course. The last company you were at was Exactly. Correct, yes. Which was also a sales-driven organization. Yes, not just a sales-driven organization, but actually an organization that helps companies align their incentives with employee behavior and ultimately drive better performance. It's a challenge for a lot of companies to find the right salespeople, to build the right sales teams. What kind of people do you look for when you look to build a sales team yourself? Well, that's an interesting question. And of course, it very much depends on the type of organization that you're building and the market that you're selling into. What I've found in my experience is there are two different types of salespeople at the highest possible level. The first is more of a fulfillment type salesperson. And then you have what I would call the rainmaker, the evangelical salesperson. So let me define the two of those for you. So the fulfillment salesperson in today's industry would be working, say, for example, in marketing technology. It's a very hot industry. It's something that everybody is buying at the moment. They're very knowledgeable about that. The job of a fulfillment salesperson is to maximize the market share for that particular customer in a highly active and volatile market. What I find a lot with startups is they have unique propositions. They are answering problems oftentimes that their customers are not aware of. So therefore, the fulfillment salesperson is left wanting a little bit. And we move to the more unique, the evangelical salesperson. Somebody who is able to inspire somebody to take action. Somebody who is able to get under the skin of an organization's business and help them identify the value and the opportunities that they're missing without having this unique capability. It's kind of the iPad salesman, if you will. When the iPad came out, everybody said, I have a phone and a laptop. Why on earth do I need an iPad? And Apple at a very grand scale was able to develop a market need and a value proposition that made that device explode onto the market. The most successful startups are very good and hiring potential in terms of those people who have the evangelical set of capabilities. More often than not, you'll find founders trying to push for proven salespeople in someone with a track record. Here you mentioned potential. A potential could hint at someone who might have some track record, but could actually be shaped into what the startup wants. You're absolutely right. What I find time and again with startups in the early stage is they lean towards hiring experience in salespeople, looking for people who have been there and done it. If they've been there and done it in the fulfillment world of sales, that's not the right kind of salesperson. The career path for a fulfillment salesperson is normally going up in terms of scale of value of transactions. That's how they earn more money. That's how they maximize their income. That's you know, what a salesperson is primarily all about. 
What startups need to look for is salespeople who are going to be more excited by the sell through the education, through the inspiration, through the bringing on of new customers, not necessarily high value ticket items. Early stage startups, it's about customer acquisition, getting to that magic 100 customers. From there on in, it's about revenue. After that, at some point, it's about margin and profitability. Those initial salespeople need to be hungry. They need to have a passion for that product or service, but most importantly, be able to impart value. And there are some real challenges in the industry. A lot of chief sales officers globally, regardless of organizations, have been speaking about the last 12 or 18 months. The real challenge of what's called the value gap is getting salespeople to bridge the value between what they want to charge for a product and what it's worth. Ultimately, the only way you can do that is having that kind of discovery dialogue that draws out the pains, issues, challenges that somebody's facing and then putting a number to that. The salesperson has to identify where the value is. They need to coach the organization through getting the right kind of budget, what that business case would look like, what the before and after is. You know, this is how you're operating currently. Having deployed this technology, this is what the business case will look like afterwards. I've worked with a company. I have no relationship with this organization. I don't get any kickbacks from them. The Divine Group specialize in, for want of a better description, psychometric testing for salespeople. Not only does it identify skills and attributes relevant to that more evangelical side of things, but more importantly, it identifies the potential and coachability towards those. A lot of startups not only are hiring salespeople, but they're hiring a lead gen organization. These folks who are dialing out, looking for new opportunities for the salespeople to go after, they will want a career path. You know, it's prudent on those founders and executives within the startups to be hiring lead gen folks who have the potential and coachability to move into an evangelical based sales role. Once you get them, how do you onboard them? Fundamentally, a lot of organizations completely underestimate the time from first day to first sale and then from first sale to what I call FQBR, which is full quota bearing rep. In other words, full productivity and are expected to be making a complete quota month by month, quarter by quarter, year by year. A good rule of thumb to work out what is my ramp time is the amount of time it takes somebody to truly learn and understand your product. So that's not just to be able to regurgitate some facts about the product. It's to have internalized it, to be able to present it. A good standard is can they whiteboard the proposition that you have to the various personas that you need to sell to for your proposition? That oftentimes takes three to four months especially in a nascent industry for a unique proposition. And then you add on to that, what is my average sales cycle? And that requires some inspection internally because your average sales cycle might be slightly different for your small to medium enterprises that you sell to versus enterprise organizations. When I look at the averages across the SaaS industry, the average onboarding time is 9.1 months. A lot of organizations have that down at three and four months and then wonder why they're behind the number or behind the curve by not having given appropriate time to onboarding. And then the time to FQBR, as you call it? At my time at Exactly, they'd kept a track of every single compensation payment they'd ever made to any salesperson in all of their customer companies. It's a big data repository. It's aggregated and anonymized. 
we track things against an individual, like what is their quota and what is their attainment. And one of the queries we've put into that system is at what point within the SaaS industry are we seeing consistent performance against quota? In other words, their FQBR. And that at the moment is 367 days, so a year. That's quite a long time, actually. It is. But the key here is that if you know that, and that is a fact within your business, you might be slightly shorter, slightly longer, you need to plan around it. And that drives a hiring strategy. That drives a different approach to forecasting to the board. That requires a different approach to understanding how could we reduce that amount of time? Is there something that we're doing in our sales cycle where we have a lag, for example, from initial lead to discovery phase? Or is our negotiation phase taking too long? These are the numbers that startups need to start running if they want to get to faster time to productivity and more predictable revenue. And ultimately is to have a plan in place for turnover, which will happen. Salespeople will leave either because they found a greater opportunity or potentially it's because they're not working out. But that succession planning needs to be in place. Is that something that founders are aware of? Tough question. I think the question to ask there is, have the founders found a way of taking their passion, their knowledge and their drive and systemizing that so salespeople can take it forward? A lot of the challenges I've seen about that value gap that we spoke about at the top of the podcast is Salespeople are not the founders and the magicians of an organization. They're not the brains. They are the people that take your proposition out to market. And if you don't give them the tools and the information required to do that, then you're effectively asking them to push jelly uphill. It's nigh and impossible. Now, the evangelical salesperson will be better at it, but still you need to be able to codify that for them. Have the propositions in one place. A tool I found to be very helpful in this in the past is what's called a lean canvas. And a lot of startups will be aware of it. A lot of VCs require, you know, people coming for investment, especially at angel or at seed stage to be able to produce one of these. A lean canvas is a one page proposition for your business. Now, where I found them very useful is to segment your proposition, maybe by vertical, by persona, by geography, because there will be different pains and challenges that you're looking to address. There'll be an ideal customer profile and there'll be a set of benefits that will come out of that. It's a great way of identifying the gaps in the information you have within your business that you can then create and formalize and roll out to your sales teams to help them be successful. The other question I have, because it's one that comes up a lot when we talk about sales team and salespeople, is quotas and how you incentivize those salespeople. How do you see that dynamic working? I have some strong feelings around this. And again, let me just refer back to some of that uh, exactly big data from their insights capability. So on a global basis in the SaaS industry, the turnover rate, in other words, the number of people turning over within the sales organization, within the SMB environment, which is what we're predominantly talking about here, is 29% is the average. It's the highest of any industry. And the mean quota attainment of those reps is only 68%. So you can imagine why they're leaving. They're leaving because they're not making their quota. If they're not making their quota, they're not making the money that they expect, and they'll go and find another opportunity. So we have a real responsibility here as business leaders to be setting attainable quotas and attainable targets 
If we do that, our turnover rates will reduce dramatically and we will retain more reps through that magic 367 days and we'll get more predictable full quota bearing reps. Now, one of the traps I see businesses getting into is they make a commitment to a number, to their board and to their investors. They'll apply a discount to that or a hedge to it. So in other words, the sum of the quotas of the salespeople is more than the number that they've committed to their board. But the quotas they're giving their reps are fundamentally too high for the potential of the market or for the potential of the reps. Now, there is one way to address that through the compensation plan. A lot of people will then apply a compensation plan to that quota. And they'll say, right, you earn 100% of your money when you get to 100% of that quota. Now, if it's unattainable, they're not going to make the money and they'll leave. You can, through using accelerators and different percentage amounts, actually disassociate the comp plan from that quota to some extent. You know, I was having a conversation with a startup the other day where we were suggesting, actually, why not have the comp plan pay full OTE, I'd say 80% of the individual reps quota number, and then decelerate after that. What that means is you have a motivated, well-paid sales force that's driving to the company number, and then they have the ability to overachieve on the individual rep number. It's having this fluidity and understanding of motivational techniques of comp plans that can allow you to drive performance, reduce turnover, and start to have salespeople striving and stretching towards the quota that you want to achieve. When we were preparing this show, you mentioned using the same principles as using elite sports. What I've been hearing from you in this past 15 or so minutes is that really a salesperson has to be coachable, has to be driven, has to be taught, and then has to be given opportunity to develop within the team and for himself or herself. Is that a little bit how you see it? I do. By far and away, the most important person to a salesperson's success is their manager. The best sales leaders out there are, in fact, great coaches, and they get the best out of their team. Unfortunately, and to use a bit of a sports analogy, just because you're a phenomenal sportsman doesn't make you a great coach. Going back to some of those exactly stats, one of the uh, things that we drew out of there was actually the best sales managers, the best coaches, aren't necessarily the top salespeople. They were the ones who had previously sold the broadest portfolio of solutions you had available to you. In other words, they understood how to cross-sell and upsell, and they understood how to expand the proposition into their customer's portfolio. So now you apply that level of coaching to salespeople who are great at going out there and getting customers over the line, and then you take that customer who's having a conversation with somebody and expand that proposition, even by 10 or 15%, you will have an explosion in sales success and productivity. We see this in sports. If you go back to uh, you know, the England Rugby World Cup winning team where Sir Clive Woodward brought in visionary specialists who broadened the span of vision from what is normal by about another 15 to 20% that gave players a greater awareness of what was going on and around them. It's the same as that sales leader broadening that proposition gives them a greater awareness of what's going on around them and ultimately allows them to help them win a high percentage of engagements they get involved in. Well, and on that, Tom, thank you so much for your insights today. No problem at all. 